This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries. But you know what? I'm working on it, and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. measure our health without measuring our waistline. My guest today is Laura Thomas, a fitness coach who helps women overcome body image self-doubt and find their inner strength. Owner of Laura Thomas Fitness, she is certified as a women's coaching specialist, online trainer, and pre- and postnatal coach. What I like about Laura is that instead of focusing on inches, pounds, or other body measurements, she instead guides her clients on their personalized journeys towards building energy, stamina, body awareness, and connection. Hi, Laura. Hi. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited too. So um, I was reading your website the other night, specifically like your philosophy and approach mm -hmm. to fitness training and about how you had to sort of unpack your biases around larger bodies and how... And come to terms with how the the diet industry has really negatively impacted our culture and and the health wellness industry in general. Um, so I was I was hoping we could start there. Yeah. And it seems to me that a lot of these messages we get about how thin we should be, what we should look like, make it really intimidating for people to even start. Like, you know, how do they look past all that crap and just like not feel it's impossible? Like, those are unattainable goals. I'll never look like that. Um, I, I, I would think that's a very um, defeating sort of message to get if you're someone who's struggling with their health. Yeah, so I'm going to take it back, actually, to sort of the, the root of that, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, so for me, when I, so when I first started in the industry, I was a lot, I was, like, like a lot of other people that are in the fitness space, you know, I thought, like, okay, if I can just get people to you know, lose weight and feel good and, you know, 
do all the things that like that's going to bring them joy that's going to bring them happiness they're going to be like oh she did such a great job yada da 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 and then over time and it was really i would say during the pandemic uh, when my mind started to shift a lot um, it's when I started doing more like the anti-racism work and stuff like that. And when I really started unpacking um, just different types of oppression and anti-fat bias is another type of oppression that we don't really talk about as much. And it's, right. it's interesting. It's like I, the last acceptable and prejudice. Literally, like I just finished reading um, Aubrey Gordon's book, 19 Myths About Fat People. And that's literally one of the myths is like it's the last living prejudice. And it's really not. But people think it is. Mm. And it's interesting because usually you can get people on board with like you know, not being racist, not being anti, um, you know, LGBTQ, like being pro gay rights, being pro um, women's rights and all that kind of stuff. But then when you get to that little tiny part about, so what do you think about anti-fat bias? And some people call it fat phobia. I was just corrected recently that it's not a phobia. So we actually don't want to call it that because phobias are real mental health diagnoses right, that we don't right. want to um, convolute that. I appreciate that. And I was like, yeah. And it's interesting because with my clients, even like I can get them to a point and then they're like, but I still and I'm like, OK. And so for me, it's all about asking like better questions. And that goes back to like, let's say someone comes to you. A, a, I call it a colleague. So I'm really close with, I would say, other people in my industry through the Internet, which is sort of funny. That's how I've sort of developed my circle or my my other people that I can go sure. to and be like, hey, I have this question, I have this client, whatever, because a lot of us do that. Yeah. Well, and I'm a solopreneur. And to be honest with you, I, you know, there's not a ton of, I mean, there's some camaraderie within the Cleveland fitness community, but I would venture to say not a ton. And I can get into that later. Um, people are a little bit more territorial than you would think. But a lot of us online who are in this anti-diet culture space are all about like sharing resources and you know advice and things like that that we've gone through with a client. And one of the people that I talked to, Jenna Josephowski, she lives in Chicago. She's actually from Akron, um, which is kind of cool, or actually from Youngstown, went to Akron. And she was talking about how she had a client recently, or actually it wasn't a client, it was a client, it was someone's mother-in-law that had said that a doctor told her, she was having a hard time going up and down the stairs, and the doctor told her to lose weight and that would help her get up and down the stairs. And it's like, but if we don't actually get to the, it's all about root cause for me or like root, if we're not, if we're just treating the symptom and not the root cause, then we're missing a whole gamut of data and information. So mm -hmm. we need to treat people in larger bodies just as much as we treat people in smaller bodies. So if someone in a smaller body came to me and said, I'm having a hard time going up and down the stairs, I would be like, okay, clearly it's a movement pattern issue. Like something's not, something's not firing or something's compensating or whatever. And we need to look at the exact same thing when we're talking to anybody, no matter what their body size is. So I say all that to say that a lot of times we need to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hopefully where the industry's starting to go a little bit more. Um, you know, part of that is just asking better questions like, why do you want to lose weight? What is this about? And a lot of times, you know, it's social conditioning. Right. It's we were brought up that way, you know, since we were especially people who identify as women. But it happens to men, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but people who identify as women, since we were little, you know, we were brought up with these ideals of like, if we are smaller, we are therefore more superior. Or if we are, if we look a certain way, we are therefore more socially accepted. And it's really messed up. <laughs> it <laughs> absolutely is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, 
you know, it's about unpacking all those biases. Another book that I love is called More Than a Body by Lindsay and Lexi Kite. Uh, it's just a great book about how these two twins were, you know, athletes and things like this in their youth. And then they they started. So you go from like having like an intrinsic sort of lens of yourself. To, and then once you know that, like you have this third, it's, it's like a third story or a third voice coming in. it's more like the extrinsic coming at you and so now you know you're viewed as something you're not mm -hmm. you're not you looking out people are looking back at you now mm -hmm. and that tends to mess with our psyche and so now we exist for other people we don't exist for ourselves right and so then there's that whole thing so that's why like for them for example they stopped doing sports as teenagers because they got really body conscious and they were swimmers and like god forbid like you're not you know the swimmer type body or what have you. So it has a, a detrimental effect on people. So, so many thoughts have been running in my head as you've been speaking. <laughs> um, so I think these messages come internally and externally. Like, mm -hmm. like we have, so this is a person who's really stu struggled with body image for quite a while. Um, I would say is larger than they would ideally like to be and has been for quite a while and for a very long time struggled with some health issues, um, fatigue and um, just a number of, of aches and pains and things. And to a to a doctor, to a person, it was like, you need to lose weight. You need to see a nutritionist. You'll feel so much better if you lose some weight. And it was really frustrating. And it wasn't until a few years ago, um, finally, a specialist said, oh, yeah, you have this autoimmune disease. And it's causing, mm -hmm. it's causing weight gain. And it's causing all these issues and the pain and the fatigue and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I feel like, like... People go, like see it as a problem first, like see size as a problem first before they look at any root causes. So when you were talking about, let's talk about what is the root cause, where where is this coming from? I just feel like it's so um, so difficult because not only are you getting frustration because no one's listening to you, but then you really start, um, you know, beating yourself up internally um, and feeling shame and like maybe I am just fat and I need to lose weight and all of that stuff. So, mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and to me, it's about asking, again, asking better questions and getting curious. Like, it's so like, um, you know, round peg, square hole. Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. you must fit into what society says is correct mm -hmm. and, as opposed to looking at the individual person. Yeah. And I say this all the time. We could all eat the same exact diet and exercise the exact same way and we're all going to we're still going to have different yeah. body types because there's so many other factors that go on like it's there's sleep there's stress there's hormones. genetics there's hormones there's i mean you just talked about an autoimmune like it can take years for someone even in a thinner body to get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease years yeah. and testing and all that and then and then not to go get like too political, but like there's privilege in that too. Like some of that stuff you have to like have the funds to do that. Like right, right. it's not covered by insurance. So then you have to pay out of pocket. And then, you know, like I've privately seen people for my health and that's a huge privilege. There was privilege in that we could afford, you know, yeah. for that person to see a specialist. And then, yeah. but there are lots of people who can't. No, and it's, it's yeah. tough. It's unfortunate because people could, we probably have a lot, and I'm saying this in air quotes, healthier because health to me is very, again, very nuanced. But we probably have a healthier population if people had access to the doctor that they needed, the doctor that that spoke to them, that they connected with, versus one that insurance dictated to them, mm -hmm. whether that's insurance or they're on Medicare, Medicaid, or whatever the case may be. And I think the world would be a lot better place, but we tend to hold the we tend to like almost like gatekeep mm -hmm. health from certain people and, and that's not right either, you know. Yeah, so 
you know, coming from a place of privilege myself and, um, and, and having done this podcast for like three years now, I mean, I joke with people like it's free therapy. I'm, you know, it's, it's, I'm learning all these things and I know better. I know not to judge myself, shame myself, um, you know, look at myself negatively because of my body shape. But I will say I am going to be 55 next year. I'm a recent cancer survivor. I'm on hormone therapy mm -hmm. to pre prevent it from coming back. Mm -hmm. And my surgeon sat me down and said, yeah, you're not going to be able to lose weight. So try not to gain weight. Just try to stay where you are. Mm -hmm. And I will say I'm the heaviest I've ever been. My body shape is a lot rounder than it used to be. And I look at myself in the mirror. And even though I know better, I still go, you know, or mm -hmm. I complain to Kay here who's trying, lighting me beautifully, like hide my double chin. Um, you know? yeah. and, I, and I still have those negative yeah. self-talk moments. And, and, and I struggle with fibromyalgia, so there's like a mm. pain issue. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. a lot. like, how do, you, how do you help people, or maybe they've already gotten past this by the time they talk to you, but how do you people, how do you help people, sorry as I stumble, how do you help people get past those voices, those inner voices, those external voices coming at them saying, you need to be this, this, or this, or you need to do it this way. Mm -hmm. How do you help them f overcome that or, or not be so intimidated that, so that it seems doable? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you help someone start? So I think that some of that goes back to like, what can you thank your body for? So for example, like, you can thank your body because it survived cancer. Like that's a huge Yeah, and I do say deal. like I say it's I a huge deal. I am grateful. Like this body's yeah. been through a lot and yeah. it has survived. That's, and yeah. yeah, that's that's a huge I mean that's that's a really, really big deal. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm working with again people who identify as women. So a lot of times it's my body carried a child. Mm -hmm. Um, my body carried more than one child. My body, you know, was able to take care of grandchildren. My body is able to help um my child that has some type of disability or what have you. So I always think of ways to like, what can you thank your body for? Like, what can you be grateful about it for? What has it done for you? You know, are you able to get up every day and, and move? I mean, we always have to be thankful that, you know, if we have a body that we have, you know, two arms and two legs, like not everybody has that, you mm -hmm. know? And, True. and so, um, you know, what, what can we be thankful for? And, it, and again, it's not like comparative suffering. I don't want to get into that or anything where it's like, it could be worse because like that's never helpful either. Yeah, right, you know what right, I mean? Right, like, yeah. let's not go down that rabbit hole. Right. And, you know, just what can, what can you be thankful for? What? And then the other thing I, I like to coach in, and this is something I learned in my pre and postnatal coaching is a negative to neutral. So just noticing when you're being hard on yourself and just saying, huh, I just noticed that I was being really critical of my stomach. That's mm -hmm. really interesting. Or, huh, I noticed that I was being really critical of my butt or my thighs right now, and it's not really how I want to feel, but okay. And I think that when we do that, when we do negative to neutral, that's a real more of a realistic approach than negative to positive because mm -hmm. then we go from, like, negative to, like, toxic positivity, and that's never, like, helpful for people. Like, I don't want people to, like, not live in the real world. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more beneficial to say a negative to a neutral. And even if it helps jotting it down, if it helps to – put a note in your phone or whatever, just make a mental note of it and just notice when that's happening for you. Um, I do always recommend, you know, some books as well. Like I just finished, like I said, 19 Myths About Fat People was super insightful. 
and I really love More Than a Body and a couple other ones that I can always we can always put in the show notes. But yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. There's um, you know, Fearing the Black Body was probably one of the big ones that I read that I was just like blew my head off. It was like I mean, it was just it's kind of reads very academically like a textbook and it's very dense. And I so it had to be one of those where I went back and forth on it. But the you know, the bottom line of it is is that a lot of our anti fat bias is rooted in racism and we can't on um, I mean, that's just it is what it is. It's it's that's how it is. And so it's hard. It's really hard to, you know, discern and, and and kind of step away and unpack and unhook from all of that stuff when it's been like ingrained into us. I have a parent. One of my parents is very, very, very appearance um, obsessed and it's very hard for me. And so I just know that I can't really have that conversation with them. So I don't have a conversation with them. I kind of have to ignore them. I don't see them very often. So it's a good thing. <laughs> um but I just I know that at at that age it's probably I'm not going to change right. that perception at this point, which is really unfortunate. However, there are people in my family, and I was around several women this past summer in my family who are in that 60s, 70s age range, and it's you know then they're amazing women. I mean, these are women who have hiked in Europe and have done just really, and some of them have lived solo and have done really amazing things and just. And they're, you know, like seven, 60s and 70s. I mean, I think that's awesome that you're still like jumping into a pickup truck and hauling your own stuff and <laughs> all this sort of thing. And it's it was I wouldn't say it's like sad, but it was kind of like, oh, when I heard them say like, and I need to lose weight or I need to do this. And I'm like, are you really going to spend the last third of your life? Like, is that what we're going to worry about? Like, it just it saddened me because mm -hmm. I was like, there's so much out there to be mm -hmm. thankful for and grateful for. And you've had a really great life and you've gotten to travel and gotten to do all these things. And I'm just like, why? Ah! Like, it, it just makes me sad. Like, mm -hmm. why would that be? Why does that have to be the the thing that we're worried about? I always I say to my husband, I always say, you know, when someone passes away, we don't stand up there and say, well, you know, at least they were thin. Yeah. <laughs> like, no yeah. one says that. Yeah. yeah. No one says that. Yeah. No one says anything about somebody's body. Right. At the right. end of their life. Right. 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 But what we do say is they were a great sibling, friend, you know, boss, whatever, like who they were or like what they did or like how they contributed to the community or may, and usually it's something about food. Sometimes it's like, oh, and so and so made the best, you know, brownies or the best cheesecake or what have you, because food is love. Food is connection. Yeah. 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 I just think about Thanksgiving holidays. Yeah. Any cult. I'm Lebanese, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for you sure. know, like yep. yeah, the big the big spreads. Oh yeah. Um Okay, well we'll be right back on that note and we'll talk more. Good. That's a hard note is brought to you by Clever Girl Marketing my full-service agency specializing in smart, strategic marketing solutions for businesses and nonprofits. Okay, so you're probably wondering, Heather, what's with the podcast about boundaries? Why not marketing? Well, maybe in the future, but for now, it actually does relate. So bear with me here. Smart marketing, strategic marketing, requires knowing what to say no to and why. Businesses and nonprofits get inundated with marketing options and offers every day. We help you cut through all that noise, focus on your specific needs, and develop actionable strategies that are doable and actually make sense. Whether it's websites, SEO, email, social, or traditional channels, we're experienced in all of it. So if you need help figuring out your marketing, visit our website, 
clevergrowmarketing.com and get in touch. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to the Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Okay, and we're back. So, Laura, it sounds to me like when someone comes to you, they might have a certain vision in their head of what a fitness coach is. And it sounds to me like you basically help people do a lot of unlearning. Yes, I right? would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we get past the like, I want to lose this as much weight or be this shape or, you know, whatever the, the fitness goal is. Yeah. Can I interject really quick? Yeah. So on my application or even when I'm, I don't know if it's on my application, I have to double check, but when I have a phone call with somebody, so I should say that too. So when people apply to work, people have to apply to work with me because I like to vet people and I like people to vet me too. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a very yeah, I do the same thing clear, with my clients. Like, are street. we a like, good fit? Yeah. Are, do our values align at all? Like just mm-hmm. to make sure, because I spend a lot of time with my clients and I don't want to take on someone who's like a bigot or just like doesn't understand like what I'm trying to do or whatever. Yeah, sure. So. I'm pretty clear about that. And then when we get on a phone call, I will usually ask them nine times out of 10, I will say, will you, would you still consider going down this road or doing this process if it meant you're not going to lose weight? And that's a question I got from Jenna Josephowski, who I mentioned earlier, is like, would you still go down and do this whole process? Mm -hmm. And you're going to come out on the other side and you'll, you'll be better for it. I can guarantee you, you'll be better for it. I can't guarantee, here's the thing. I can't guarantee anyone's going to lose weight. You don't know what their body's going to do. There's no way. No fitness coach can say, lose, like these whole, like, lose 10 pounds in two weeks things. Like, how do you know that? (laughs) How do you know somebody's body dynamics? How do you know? Do you look at, like, people's data? Do you look at blood work? Are you looking at fecal (laughs) exams? Are you looking at, like, do you know what autoimmune diseases people have? Like, I really, like, get down and deep with my people. I'm like, tell me all the things. And if you don't want to tell me all the things, that's also fine. Because trauma informed and we give people options. But, you have to like get really deep with people and like, yeah, if I put you on a thousand calorie diet a day diet and I work you out like a maniac, okay, maybe sure you'll, you're going to lose weight, but like, what's that going to like a short term? Right. What you is know, your long term so goal? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like yeah. I want people to be like, oh, I want to move better throughout my life. Not just like in the next year, but like, what does mm. the next five, 10, 20, 30 years look like for you? Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep traveling when you're 70? I would love for you to keep traveling when you're 70. Do you want to, you know, when you have grandkids, do you want to be able to, you know, roll around on the floor with them and have fun with them and not feel like aches and pains? Like, that's the type of stuff I feel like is a lot more, it's behavior-based versus outcome-based goals. Mm-hmm. So behavior-based is a lot more easier to, like, increase your water intake and stuff like that is a lot easier than an outcome-based goal, which is I want to lose this much weight or what have you. Because it's just not, again, it's not something that I can control. And it's not something really you can control. And we mm-hmm. we think we have so much control over our bodies. And we really don't. <laughs> like, we just, Trust me, I know. We don't. Yeah. Especially as, like, women. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. I'm perimetopausal. I'm, like, 90% sure. And so, you know, it's like 
there's stuff that's going on with me right now that's completely different than anything I've ever dealt with with my body. And it's like, I'm just like, okay, well, here we go. Like, this is what it is and this is what it's going to be. And I've had to buy new clothes and I've gained some weight and whatever. And I still have thin privilege. But, you know, it's it's a totally new thing for me. It's just my body has changed a lot. But your body is supposed to change. Right. Like, you're not supposed to be able to wear the same jeans in your 40s and 50s that you wore in your 20s. Like, that's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I, it was literally within the past two years that a doctor or a nurse practitioner, I forget which, told me for the first time, it's the first time I've ever heard this, that when you have a baby, mm -hmm. okay, the, your abdominal muscles split. Yeah. Well, they separate. They separate. It's the and linea they, alba. It's the And they never tissue. go back together the way they were once before you had a child, right? So I was like shocked. And but it also made me feel like relieved, like I had permission, like, mm -hmm. oh, OK, so our bodies aren't supposed to go back to the way they were when we were 14. Mm -mm. And so that expectation of, you know, we see J-Lo or whomever, the the the, yeah. the rich billionaire who can afford trainers all day long. Right. You know, we and all a chef. and a chef <laughs> and then someone else to, you know, help do everything else in their right. life. Um you know, we see these people and we think, well, they did it. They mm -hmm. they came back and, you know, A, did they really? And B, you know, it's not physically possible. So stop demanding this of ourselves or of others. And I, I just feel like your body is meant to change. Your body serves different functions at different times in your life. And, mm -hmm. and you're right. You just have to, like, acknowledge that, like, I'm in this season now or I'm in this mm -hmm. season now. Yeah. And for some people, like even people who are like really like I would say like thinner in postpartum and like they end up, you know, having like a really flat stomach down the line or something like that. Like even those people, because I know someone here who's who's like that, even she still has a little bit of a, a separation there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. physically again, doesn't It's, go it's back. genetics. It's, you know, yeah. it's there's just so many things that play into that. Yeah. Um, but right. By and large, most people. So, yeah, what it is, is it's linea alba, which is the separation. It runs down your rectus abdominis and it's the, the tissue. And then it's totally normal. Everyone, when they get pregnant, you know, everything gets pushed up because you're growing. There's something. a thing it's happening. Yeah, so all yeah. your organs are getting pushed around yeah. in different things. And so this is to allow the baby to right. grow in you. And then, yeah, this tissue widens out. And then eventually it does come back down a little bit. Yeah. Um, it has to for just after a healing and things like that. But usually, right, you want to be, you actually want to be more concerned about the depth of the tissue versus the width of the tissue. So the width, it's not as much of a big deal, but the depth is like the tautness of it, which which is just abdominal strength, which again, it doesn't matter what body size you are. You can work on tautness of your linea alba. But again, that's just to make sure that like mm -hmm. the contents of your abdominals and stuff stays where it's supposed to. Yeah. You don't have like any type of pelvic floor issues and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's where pelvic floor therapy can be really beneficial. Again, something that we need to be more <laughs> proactive about you when know, it comes to postpartum yeah that's a whole conversation yeah yeah for sure but um but yeah again just totally normal physiological stuff that yeah. happens that I, I never knew about this until i took my pre and postnatal in 2018 you know i think i so recently i don't know if it was the past couple of years um we went to see samantha b she was oh, live yeah. here at playhouse square yeah and she's fantastic and her it was hilarious because i was there with my six foot three husband he was like the one male in the room and he was like towering above everyone, all these other women. And the whole show was about women's bodies mm. and how our culture does not educate yeah. 
men or women Correct. in school about how bodies actually work. You get your health class in sixth grade yeah. and you get separated and you get told, you know, right. use, use pads and the guys, I don't know what they get told. And, um, <laughs> right. and then, you know, and that's it. And so a lot of the laws that are made, a lot of mm-hmm. the, the nuttiness that happens in Washington, D.C., is a is often very based on the fact that they're just generally don't understand how women's bodies work. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think many women don't know how women's bodies work, and no. so we are very self judgmental and shame. Uh, I don't know what we go into shame spirals. Yeah. Um, and and I just feel like um, you're p- probably a big part of your job is probably educating people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just like you just did with me absolutely. two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, like this was stuff I didn't even know. And and I, I I personally have never had children. And I was approached by, you know, Girls Gone Strong, which is the group that I have my certification through for both my pre and postnatal and my general women's cert. And they actually just came with a menopause cert that I want to do down the line as well, I think would be fantastic. And I love them because they are real. Like the first five units, I just renewed my... Um, pre and postnatal cert in 20, I both, so not to like remember when, 22. And they rewrote the book from when I did it in 2018. And the whole first unit is just about intersectional feminism and coaching and how to like make sure you're taking in people's identities. And do you know how to work with somebody who doesn't, who is not like American culture and maybe their Middle Eastern culture and respecting that and just all kinds of things that we don't think about. And like, that's a whole thing too, right? Like, how different cultures approach women's bodies and what they are and aren't comfortable talking about and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. But for me, as someone who never had children, you know, they're like 85% of women you see are going to have had children. Do you know anything about that? And I'm like, you know what? I don't. <laughs> so it probably and, be a good and idea. And even if you've had children, mm-hmm. you right. you don't know everybody's experience. You don't know Correct. all the different variations yeah, what if of things. just had like a super like, easy peasy pregnancy or a traumatic pregnancy, like totally un- different into the spectrum. Yeah. So they think like everybody's like that or right, whatever. Right, and right. it's like, no, like not everybody's going to have the same experiences yeah, yeah, and yeah. have the same, you know, bodily physiologic, physiological things happen or whatever. Right. I mean, for the most part, yes. But the way that things happen postpartum can be very different for different people. And right. so I was like, yeah, it's probably important for me to understand all that. And it's, I'm so glad I did it because most of the women I have worked with have had children mm-hmm. and even if it's not something physiological that's happened, I've worked with people through psychological things that have happened. And I'm not a therapist and I'm not, you know, that's obviously out of my scope of practice. But, you know, I have worked with people who've had traumatic birth. I have worked with people who've had some pretty serious stuff happen um, in that time frame in their life. And had I not had that knowledge about it or had I not just understood in general about that plus the trauma-informed stuff, I probably would have been a lot less I'm I'm a pretty empathetic person at heart but I probably would have been a lot not listened as well I wouldn't have been as good of a coach you know what I mean yeah can I back up for a second yeah for sure so you said trauma informed several times through the Mm -hmm. conversation I happen to know what it is because of a client I work with Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm wondering if this might be a new term for some listeners could you help us define what trauma informed is yeah. So for me, and I, I did my training through Katie Kurtz. She's actually local here in Cleveland. Um, she is a licensed social worker and she did this on kind of when she was doing full-time social work, she created this program. Now she, this is kind of what she does all the time. Um, and she also has a podcast yeah. and I was on it. And um, yeah, so trauma-informed is basically recognizing that, you know, the identity that you hold 
may not be the same as identities of others and that we need to also we need to make sure that we're always doing things with consent and asking for consent from people, whether that's touch, whether that's, you know, sharing information, things like that. So making sure that we're really conscious about that sort of thing. For me, how I use it in my settings is that I, you know, I always, first of all, if I'm going to touch a client, I always say like, hey, can I put my hand on your back? Or, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? Or what have you? Or, hey, do you want to talk about this today? Because I noticed mm-hmm. that this was something that came up for you. Do you want to kind of work through it a little bit? So it's giving the autonomy of the conversations of the experience really back onto the client versus and just getting more curious and asking more questions. You know, some people need to know like where an exit is. Maybe they've had some type of experience where they didn't know where an exit was. Um, you know, just knowing like what people's backgrounds are and stuff like that. You know, do people need, you know, like I did a workshop back in February and I built in a bathroom break because I knew I was hosting a bunch of new moms and I'm like, they probably are still having to go to the bathroom like every five minutes. So like those types of things. Mm-hmm. So just being more consciously aware of the fact that people around you have different lived experiences and you know, that could be impacted by a number of things that could be impacted by, you know, the way they grew up that could be impacted by, you know, the race that they, they are, that could be impacted by um, accessibility, disability. An event. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, learning disabilities, yeah. you know, things like that. I think that more and more people are getting, you know, diagnosed in some type of, of being on the spectrum as adults. So like adult ADHD and like, are you inclusive of all learning styles? That's a huge thing. I think now, right. like, you know, back in the day, it was okay to just kind of like do what you did. But I think now we're starting to find that like certain ways of learning aren't, you know, attuned for everybody, especially mm-hmm. now that a lot of things have shifted to online. And I think some people are still going to stay online. I think that we're seeing more of a hybrid from some people as well. But, you know, online is kind of great because you can reach people in different places that maybe don't have yeah. somebody like me near that. Maybe they're more like Dubro gyms and they're all about losing weight <laughs> and they're not going to, yeah. you know, really listen to yeah, them. But they yeah. could be like, hey, OK, I, I saw this chick from Cleveland on Instagram and she seems like somebody that would actually like listen to me and not try to shove her agenda down my throat. Like mm-hmm. I always tell my clients, I'm like, this is your journey. I'm literally the guide. You're the driver. Like I'm just telling you what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling and you can choose to go that way or not. Yeah. You know, um, I've been fired once and in six years. So I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I'll take that. So it's pretty good record or seven, six years. And, you know, and that was only because of the fact that like there was just a communication issue and I should, I should have been more upfront about a couple of things and I should have made the expectations a little more clear. And that's, that's, you know, it's just, it went on both of us in that regard, but other than that, I'm pretty transparent. And I think that's another thing, too, is it's like I'm really transparent. Like my website, my pricing's listed. You know, I, like I said, I have an application. It's pretty clear, like, what you are and aren't going to get from me. My business philosophy's on there, what I do and don't believe and that sort of thing. So nobody can come in and be like, you acted this way on the call and then you're totally different when I'm in your yeah. space. And I think there's a lot of that, unfortunately, online still. Like people will kind of peddle one thing and then they'll sell you one thing and uh. they're – yeah. Or just talk about the dude bro gyms. Like you yeah. sign up for the membership and you never can get out of it. Like, right. You know, what if someone loses their job? What if someone yeah. has to suddenly, like, I'm 41 and a lot of my friends now are starting to have aging parents. Like, what if somebody has to suddenly stop and, like, yeah. take care of an aging parent or something happens with their kid or anything? You know what I mean? Life. Like, yeah. I think, like, if I, it kind of boggles my mind that we went through a pandemic for, like, you know, call it two, three years and, like, we didn't learn that like we need to be more graceful with people. Like I don't understand how that didn't sort of like <laughs> carry forth. Like, some of us have. Some of us have. Yeah. But yeah. some of us, it's like people just went back to business as usual. And I'm like, no. If anything, <laughs> we learned that like 
people aren't commodities. Like people right. are people and not having connection was a huge, huge, you know, gap for people. Yeah. That's hard for people. And yeah. if we don't, if we're, again, if we're not transparent, if we're not upfront and we say one thing and then we do another, it's, it's, it's yeah. wonky. So I'm hearing start small, adjust your mindset. Stop judging yourself. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't, it's not um, going overnight. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I always go back to atomic habits, right? So like do the small mm-hmm. things yeah, to kind habits. of, to kind of like, yeah, make it, make it easy for yourself to do and communicate with your partner. So I feel like yeah. those are all good places to start. Yeah. Um, we'll definitely put all the links to the books and other uh, resources you've mentioned and your website, of course. But why don't you tell our listeners like all the other places they can connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Laura Thomas Fitness and Facebook as well, and LinkedIn, uh, Laura Thomas, and my website is laurathomasfitness.com. And I think that's it. Website, socials. Yeah, that's good. Those are the best part places. And to find you me. see clients all over the country, so or yeah. you can because yeah. you do the virtual. Yeah, yeah, I can do the virtual. I wouldn't have started there when I first started, but now that I've been doing it for yeah. a while, it's I'm very comfortable with it, and it's yeah, totally doable. So yeah, great. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation and I love, I love the approach you take to this and I love, it's, it seems so much more holistic and human centered as opposed to image centered. So I I just, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. You Have a great day. You too. We have a new topic for our book club. This time we're reading Just Do Nothing, a paradoxical guide to getting out of your way by friend of the pod, Joanna Hardis. It's a funny, thoughtful guide that tells us that sometimes just doing nothing is the best way to make the most of a bet. You can find Just Do Nothing everywhere books are sold. We'll put links to it in this description. Get your copy, get reading, send us your questions, and we'll bring them to Joanna when she comes in to talk with us. And we look forward to hearing from you. Okay, so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. That's a Hard No is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my little agency in Cleveland, in partnership with our friends at Evergreen Podcasts. Many thanks to our amazing team, including Maura Del Rosario, our production and marketing coordinator, Noah Fouts, our amazing producer, editor, and composer who wrote our theme music and performed it with his band, The Big Leagues, and our new video producer and editor, Kay Holmberg. You can find show notes and resources on our website, and you can find other fun stuff on our socials. We're Hard No Podcast, and we're now on YouTube, so check us out there. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platforms, but especially Apple. Can you please do us a favor? Give us a rating and review so more people can find us and learn how to say no. So until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no and say it with me. That's a hard no! Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.